If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 193 featuring the HSBC Abu Dhabi Championship on the DP World Tour and the American Express on the PGA Tour. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamber, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more information and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, strokes gained data, masses of tournament form statistics and our predictor models, all available. Of course, you guessed it, completely free of charge with no paywall. On Twitter, Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the show. It's actually had 50 subscribers last week to the uh, YouTube channel, so I was more than happy with that. If you haven't actually given the uh, Golf Betting Show a watch, it's on YouTube each and every week. Um, I talk about 30 minutes about the... uh, my particular tournament of the week. So come and give it a watch. Right, five-star reviews. Now, we're actually starting to run out of five-star reviews. So I haven't had one in 2022. So if you're listening to this and you can spare 30 seconds, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, stroke iTunes, however you know it, absolutely um, critical for the podcast. It just works with the algorithm to make sure that um, we're actually being promoted by iTunes. Right, I've got one here. Five stars. Always an interesting listen. Greetings from the USA. I just started betting on golf a few months ago. While searching for information, I came across this podcast. I enjoy listening to Steve and his two colleagues, Paul and Barry. All three are articulate and informative. I'll pause there. A nice mix of voices. I like the way Steve pronounces grass. I also like his enthusiastic pronunciation of Waki Neiman and the way he says Matsuama without the Y. Listening to this podcast is a great way to prepare for each week's PGA Tour and DP World Tour, although he did put European Tour, but we can't say that anymore. DP World Tour events. And that is from El Prezwa who is in the United States of America. That is a really nice review. Thank you very much. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Articulate, Steve. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a new new way to describe the pod, isn't it? <sighs> Might have to go back to... De- I don't think I've ever been called articulate, actually. <laughs> no, so El, El, Pre- El Prez, is, uh, he's, uh, he's out there on that one. Um, I asked for five-star reviews on Spotify, and guys, did you deliver? Did you deliver? From absolutely having no ranking on Spotify at this time last week, we now have 38 five-star, can't really call them reviews, but five-star, yeah, let's call them five-star reviews on Spotify. Ratings, yes. 
So if there's any way that you're listening on Spotify this week and you haven't pressed the ratings button for five stars, if we could get 50 by the show next week, I'd be really appreciative of that. So yes, it's all good. So some, some reviews, please, on Apple and some presses of that five-star button on Spotify would be fantastic. Right, packed show. Let's just crack on. Um, Russell Henley. As you guys know, he is on my post-it note of doom. And he was... He was leading, wasn't he, from the f- virtually the first shot of Thursday through to the last shot of regulation at the Sony Open. And just from my experience of Russell Henley, it tends to be a painful outcome. And he was five shots clear at the turn on Sunday. Yeah, trading and, uh, at one point zero six. Yeah. yeah, trading at one point zero six on Betfair Exchange. Super short. I've got some numbers here for you. He's had six thirty-six hole leads on the PGA Tour. He's converted one now. That one was his first ever PGA Tour victory, the twenty thirteen Sony Open. And Barry quite rightly said to me the other uh, yesterday, he said, what about 54-hole leads? So I've checked that out this morning. He's had six 54-hole leads. I'll read them out to you. The 2021 Sony Open, well, we know that, he finished second. The 2021 Wyndham, he finished seventh. The 2021 US Open, he finished 13th. The 2020 CJ Cup, he finished third. The 2014 Deutsche Bank, he finished second. And then we go back to that very first PGA Tour victory, the 2013 Sony Open. He actually won that one. So he's, again, one from six on 54-hole leads. Combine the two, 36 and 54, from eight leads, he's had one conversion. And people say, why is he on your post-it notes, though? He doesn't bloody win very often. Yeah, a little bit fragile, isn't he, which... uh... It's a shame he can't can't do his mental state a great deal of good when he's um, getting into these fantastic positions and then failing to convert. And uh, Hideki was the grateful recipient. I, you, you can't knock what he did in the playoff, of course, but um, it should never the, have been given the opportunity. Really, the Bermuda grass putting monster that is Hideki Matsuyama. <laughs> Got the Who's job taught done us? for one week only. Do you want to know who's on my post-it note? Yeah, go read them first. These are my current players, and it's these are in alphabetical order, so you two will both know number one, Paul Casey. Number two, Emiliano Grillo. Number three, Russell Henley. Number four, and this one might be tested this week because this bloke's in good nick, Luke List. Number five, Patrick Rogers. Number six, and we were just discussing him off mic, Adam Scott. Number seven, Brendan Todd. And number eight, again, playing some good golf at the moment, but never wins, Cameron Tringali. Let's see how those names hold up this week. What's Brendan Todd ever right. done for you? Done to you then, Steve? Uh, every time I put him up, he's hitting like 43% of greens and just no, no good at all, mate. You must I have missed his, hot, you missed his hot streak then, did you? And then you started backing him. Well, yeah, you know what happens. Bo- you, you know, Paul, <laughs> the one hot streak he's had in 10 years, yes, I, clearly I missed the win-win. And then I backed him the week after and he finished seventh, just out of the each-way places. That's kind of what I do. 
Right, we've said we're going to keep this short for obvious reasons. We've got a packed show. Is there anything you want to raise about last week before we move on to the Abu Dhabi? No, no well done, McKisner. A little bit of um, little bit of uh, Mitchell as well. You got back, didn't you? So a profitable did, yeah. week overall, which was good. Um, I followed your lead, chaps, and took a little bit of Kevin Kisner as well, which is just about almost straightening me out for the week as well. But um, but yeah, Kisner played well, didn't he? It's um, you know you couldn't get uh, close enough to the boys at the top, but. Good each way money at thirty five to one anyway. I've got a bit of a take on Kevin Kisner. He keeps moaning in interviews about he hasn't got on the Ryder Cup team. So the thing you've got to do, Kevin, is you've got to win more tournaments. Win more tournaments, get more points, qualify for Ryder Cup or President's Cup. Do it automatically and, that- and uh, there's no questions <clears throat> asked. Yeah. So there we go. I suppose the only thing you will say about the one thing about Kisner is he's so short he has to he can only win on a number of golf courses each year. Yeah, he's an absolute beast on short courses. I saw a little Twitter stat pop up through uh, on that. Um, the just just one one th- one final thought on it. We were saying, well, I said that, and um, we kind of all thought the scoring would be a little bit trickier um, this week just gone by versus um, the week before. Mm-hmm. But it was all just about the power of the course. So it was two two hundred and fifty seven shots this week. I think it was two fifty eight the week before, was yeah, it? Or yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, power of the course just changed the whole perception of the week, and you don't think, oh, that they haven't gone too crazy this week. But same same number of shots, pretty much. So, I also heard, by the way, that I, this is going. Sorry, I'm jumping all over. Like Cameron Smith apparently was at Kapalua for almost two weeks before. That tournament, I heard that. Yesterday. This is the info we need in advance of the tournaments. <laughs> we, ne- we never get that, do you? yeah. You're right, no, Barry. It's so- hard to scoop it up. So Henley won at 23 under, but yes, that would have been Who won? whatever. Well, Henley, Hideki. sorry, oh, <laughs> sorry fraudulent slip there. Uh, yeah, 23 under, 23 under, but it was a par 70, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, so Barry's right. You got uh, you got a difference in three between the two courses in terms of par, and yeah. you end up at the same point regardless. I mean, this is what six hundred yards difference or whatever it is between the two courses. So there's you know there is a compar- you know a significant enough difference between the two to justify the extra par. But when when it's soft, when it's um, when it's scorable like it was at Kapalua, then uh, these guys are gonna gonna shoot that kind of score, aren't they? As was evident. Hideki Matsuama has a penchant for winning. When he gets hot, he goes on these winning streaks. You know, we'll go back to when he was he had the best player on the planet a few years back. Mm-hmm. Do you would you be tempted on him, say, at the Farmers next week at like sixteens or sixteen to one? Because it's going to be a you know, there's going to be some good quality players in that field next week. Well, if you look back at his stats um, when he did go through that hot streak, and I've not got him to hand, but I, I can remember looking at him in the past, it was the putter that made all the difference. He found that form of the putter. He, for a, a number of weeks, was one of the best putters, if not the best putter, in the fields that he was contesting. And yeah. he, what did he, oh, I forget what he won now, did he win five or six um, events worldwide in the space of. Uh, Space for a few months, um, you know, in space of mm. a, a short number of starts, anyway. And um, the very fact that he's found that spark last week with the putter does make him interesting. 
Um, he could go on and uh, he could rack up a number of wins quite quickly if he can keep that level up. And that's no given with, um, with Matsuyama. He could uh, he could easily drop off on that stat, but um, he couldn't miss, was he? It was, it was like a bucket the whole last week. So uh, interesting to see. Well, la- la- last year at the Farmers, we had John Rahm who will play, Rory McIlroy, Xander Schauffele, Tony Finau. Hmm. I don't know. If you, I think if you're going to have that quality of field, you're going to Matsuyama's going to be third favourite, isn't he? Yep. Probably just below McElroy. Yeah, you'd thought so. Yep. I don't know if you're going to get sixteens. Anyway, interesting, interest, interesting. He's he's kind of like, he's just such an elite ball striker. When that part is fine, there's no real issues. He's very similar to Morikawa. If they have a hot putting week, they're going to be top three. Yeah. Oh yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, very much so. Right, so let's move on, boys. Abu Dhabi, the start of the inaugural DP World Tour Championship. Uh, DP World Tour, sorry. I see, it's so confusing. We've always had the DP World Tour Championship, but now, of course, we've got the DP World Tour. So, first event of the year, over to you, Paul. Yeah, it's it's difficult trying to refer to it as well. You know, you, you're talking to start talking about stuff that's happened historically that was on the European Tour, and be talking about European Tour wins that have been accumulated in the past and results, etc. But yeah. um, have to refer to it as a, a, the DP World Tour. It's all a bit all a bit confusing. But yeah, let's go with it. Let's let, let's 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 try not to slip into the uh, European Tour lingo from the past and see how we get on. Um, that's we'll have to have like a swear box between us, and every time one of us mentions it, we'll uh, we'll throw a throw maybe a we have a charity charity box, a charity box at the end of the year. How many times we've said European Tour? Yeah, yeah. Times by whatever the number is, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll put it into a charity of our choice. Yeah, we'll have to pick a, pick each other up on it. Anyway, um, Abu Dhabi Championship. Uh, it's the first of two consecutive Rolex Series events to kick off the new twenty twenty two. Um, set of events. We had an event at the back end of last year on the DP World Tour to kick off the that new season. Well. Yeah, they just about got one out of the way, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> just about over a couple of couple of uh, yeah. uh, rounds before it all. Who went. actually won that? Um, that was the one that uh, Thriston Lawrence won. Um, oh, that's Joe, right. Yes, yeah, St- yeah. Steve Palmer put him up at like a thousand to one, yeah. and he won thirty six holes, and it yeah. turned around his whole P and L for the year. Two twenty five, I think he was. Yeah, but yes, um, yeah, over yeah. thirty six holes. If you, if you were the right yeah. side of that result, then um, then very well done to you. But yeah, the, uh, for all intents and purposes, the season kicks off in earnest this week. So we've got a, a Rolex Series event this week. We've got another one next week. The D- Dubai Desert Classic has also been elevated to Rolex series levels, so a couple of big events to start off. Um, then we're off to the Raz Al-Khaima Championship, which is a new event, and um, before we return to Doha Golf Club for the Qatar Masters, so we're back at Doha rather than uh, Education City, which had been hosting the Qatar Masters for a couple of years. So some good big events to look forward to. $8 million in prize fund this week's attracted 14 of the world's top 60 players. Uh, Colin Morikawa is now the favourite. Uh, there's been a bit of flip-flopping of the uh, the favourites and the odds over the last 24 hours or so since the um, since the betting came up. But Morikawa is now the 7-1 favourite. Rory McIlroy, 15-2. Uh, Victor Hovland's playing this week, 10-1. to 
And then you've got to jump down to the likes of Shane Lowry, 22s. Defending champion Till Hatton, 25-1. to 1. Twice Abu Dhabi winner Tommy Fleetwood, 25-1. to 1. Adam Scott, 33s. Interesting to see Scott in the field this week. Minwoo Lee's 33s as well. And then went to the likes of Bernd Wiesberger, Thomas Peters, Bob McIntyre, 35s. 45 to 1 bar those players. Some good household names at the top of the list this week and um, a juicy 132 man field to get our teeth into. Uh, in terms of each way places, the best on offer over here this week is eight places each way. There's a few bookies gone that. Boyle Sports, Labrooks, Coral, Paddy Power and Betfair and William Hill have all gone eight places each way, one-fifth of the odds. So if you do like your extra places, make sure you check out the odds on offer from those bookies before you make your bets this week. Uh, we've got a new course to, to contend with this week as well. It's, um, we've had 16 years, I think it was, consecutively at the Abu Dhabi Golf Club. So we had stacks of history and stats and all of that's been thrown in the bin, sadly. Uh, Yas Links is the um, venue this week. And it's across the road from that uh, from the Formula One track that we saw at the back end of last year over on uh, that uh, that provided all the excitement at the back end on the F1 season. I must say, I I don't tend to watch F1, and that was probably the first race that I'd seen for maybe fifteen years or so. But uh, it was enthralling. Did you, you? I know you watched it, Steve, didn't you? Yeah, so, I watched virtually every Grand Prix. Yeah, it's um, um, yeah. You won't get a better finish to a world championship, will you? No, no. A little bit of controversy, but uh, well, I mean, if we get the same anything like the same level of excitement from uh, from the golf this week uh, as we did from, <laughs> yeah. from the F one, then uh, we'll, be in for, <laughs> we'll be in for a real tree, won't we? Um, yeah. The course Yas Links is a Carl Phillips design, um, opened in twenty ten. Carl Phillips, think of Kings Barnes, think of uh, the Dura in Sicily that hosted. An event there for a few years over the last, uh, uh, going back to the 2010s and forward. Uh, the Grove in uh, in Hertfordshire, which hosted an event, the British Masters, I think it was, about four or five years ago. Uh, Bernardus Golf over in Holland that hosted as well. So there's there's quite a few Carl Phillips designs. A lot of them are quite similar in style. A lot of them are coastal. A lot of them are linksy. Um, exclude the Grove from that particular description um this one's a 7425 yard par 72 it is link style um in its design it's described as the uh, the first links course in abu dhabi and um, it's exposed fescue lining the fairways pot bunkers paspalum has been used for the fairways and also for the greens and um, it looks very much like a, a links course i mean ultimately it won't be classed as a links it will be classed as links style or link c um, as you'll often get with these kind of modern imitations. But uh, I think the, the style of play required um, doesn't vary massively um, when you come to these kind of imitations or copycat courses. And um, I think that kind of skill set is probably going to be something that needs to be uh, brought to the fore this week. As with any course like this, um, it needs a bit of help from the, the elements to, to protect the course. And the indications are that uh, it could well be quite challenging this week in terms of any wind. Uh, particularly on Friday, the current forecast, and I've checked it again this morning, is that the gusty wind on Friday be getting, could be getting up to around 30 to 35 miles an hour. 
Um, wow. And that should keep a serious lid on the scoring. The rest of the weeks, maybe 10 to 15, you might get gusts up to 15, 20, but um, 30 to 35 on Friday. Um, that should really level things out. And that should, uh, I, I suspect you're going to, if that really does materialise, and assuming they play, of course, um, if it, <laughs> as long as it doesn't get too windy, um, then uh, you should see some tough scoring on Friday. Um, Back to the course, though. it looks stunning, um, and the reports back so far from the players have been very, very positive. Um, so we'll see how it plays, see what it see what it looks like when it adorns our TV screens um, from Thursday onwards. Uh, historically, as I said, you, you've got all of this data that's been uh, resigned to the dustbin now, but historically we've had a real mix of winners here. If you go back to 2010, Martin Keimer won at 14-1. to 1. I say here, I mean Abu Dhabi rather than uh, on this particular track. 2010 was Martin Keimer, 14 to 1. Um, 2011, Keimer defended at 8 to 1. Then we had some longer prices. Robert Rock, 2012, 150 to 1. Jamie Donaldson was 66s. Pablo Larathabel, 125 to 1. Then Gary Stahl at 150 to 1. And we won't mention any further of that because we've, we've probably done that particular event to death over the years on the podcast. 2016 was Ricky Fowler at 16s. Tommy Fleetwood, the first of his two event or two wins at Abu Dhabi Golf Club, 60 to 1 in 2017, defended 20 to 1 the year later. Uh, Shane Lowry was 60 to 1 in 2019. Lee Westwood was 90 to 1 in 2020. And then Tyrrell Hatton was 12 to 1 last year. And of course, for the last few years, it's been um, classed as a Rolex Series event, hence the more elite names that you're starting to see come through in that winner's list. But it's not just been the short prices. And if you go through my preview, there's a whole list of players who were single digits or, or 10 to 1 or shorter who've played some of these most recent events who haven't converted. So um, of that list there recently... Till Hatton at 12s is the shortest until we go all the way back to Martin Keimer's wins back at the start of the 2010s, 2010-2011. Um, Form-wise, again, you know, how much do you draw out of this? Because we're talking about a different course this week. But if you go back to the very first, all the way back to the, uh, the start of the Abu Dhabi Golf Championship, every winner here has had a top 10 in one of their last four starts. So... Um, it's a consistent feature. It's something that would suggest that you need a bit of form coming into this. Uh, again, the only caveat I'll put on that is we are up, um, or yeah, we are on a new course, and things could be completely thrown up in the air. Uh, for me, links form. I think links form is positive this week. So looking at the various links in coastal events that are played around on the DP World Tour. Um, wind play, scrambling, and bogey avoidance. If that wind really does appear on Friday. Um, then a lot of fairways, a lot of greens are going to be missed. Um, scrambling is going to be key. Bogey avoidance is going to be key to making sure you don't compile a cricket score and play yourself right out of the uh, tournament on Friday. Um, from Saturday onwards, potentially gets back to something like normality and some players can push on there, but you've, you've just got to try and avoid that uh, the disaster and you've got to make sure that you're still in the mix and still in the tournament come Saturday morning. And uh, I guess the other thing to consider is the Rolex Series event. You shouldn't expect too many um, too many shocks. We've seen a lot of very, very good quality players win these Rolex Series events. There's a lot of money up for grabs. And when push comes to shove on a Sunday afternoon, um, the cream does tend to, to rise to the top um, if you look back through. And again, 
if you're interested in a list of the players who've won Rolex Series events over the last few years, then there's a full list on my preview this week over on Golf Betting System. Paul, I've got two questions for you. Go on, yeah. Um, the first one is, do do we have a breakdown of who gets the best results on Paspalum on the European Tour? Sorry, there's there, there's the first there's the first one for charity, European Tour. Um, secondly, if you look at you know the Paspalum golf courses we get in the states, Puerto Rico, Mayacoba, Corrales, clearly Victor Hovland has won three of his titles on Paspalum Green. Does this look tricky? I mean, forget about the wind. I mean, that's another. Um, element that needs to be boring because that looks like it's going to make the scoring tougher but does this I think it's difficult to tell when you're sitting at your desk in Bedfordshire but do you you get a feel for what the score would be here if the conditions were nice and easy is it another 20 22 under job or do you think it's a bit tighter than that a bit trickier yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle your second question first because there have been some low-key invitational events played at the um, the course here over the the last few years. Um, mm. You know, not 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 big fields. Um, there have been some some relatively well-known players playing, and generally the players that have played and won these um, events have been um, strong links components. So it does kind of fit that you're looking at what aesthetically looks like a linksy course and the, the guys that uh, have tended to play well or win these uh, these invitationals have tended to be, um, well, you know, you, you'd class looking at the, the names um, as uh, as links component or, 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 or positive links players. Um, those tended to be 54-hole events. They tended to be won in the kind of low to mid-teens for 54 holes. So to your question, I suspect in um, normal conditions, these players would be getting to 20 under, would yeah. probably be my guess. Okay. Um, I think Friday throws a real spanner in the works. I think Friday, if it is 30 to 35 mile, mile an hour wins, then past 72 may well be... You know that 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 may well be the kind of average or, or beyond that in terms of the scoring for the day. So you may find that scoring completely stalls in that in that respect. You might find fifteen, sixteen under wins this week, something like that. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, would kind of be mid, a mid mid range score. Yeah, okay. Yeah, something in that bracket. And um, in terms in terms of Paspalen, um, I've got some data that goes back three years on the European. <laughs> DB World Tour. Now, there's, there's a pound in the pot. There's two. <laughs> That's, uh, um, in, in terms of uh, strokes gained putting in this field, I, the, the problem you've got with Paspalum is that you don't have that many events that are actually no. played on the surface. So you're often working with a very small um, sample size. In terms mm-hmm. of strokes gained putting from the events that I've got listed as Paspalum over the last three years, I've got Garrick Higo as the strongest strokes game putting performer over that period of time. Um, now, of course, that that comes from a small number of events and um, relates back to some of the uh, performances he had last year over in mm. the Canary Islands from, from memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alexander Bjork's up there. Um, Sammy Valamaki's up there as well. Um, Jonathan Caldwell, Chris Paisley. Now the problem with strokes game putting when you're looking at a putting stat or a stat on a particular putting surface is you often get the um, strongest putters still will appear to be towards the top of that list. 
Um, so I know that in terms of the way that you look at it, Steve, and um, I'm kind of coming round to a similar and um, balanced view is if you look strokes at strokes going total. Yeah, you look at strokes going total on that putting surface. So it's not just a um, a raw look at who physically putted the best on that putting surface, but who, who also overall produced the best week results. Yeah, and uh, if you look at it from that metric, I'm seeing Ryan Fox, I'm seeing Thomas Peters, um, Ian Poulter's got some good records on um, on passable and strokes gain total. Garrick Higo again is right up there as well. Yost Loughton, Shane Lowry's got, uh, Shane Lowry ranks eighth in my list this week of players who've mm-hmm. got positive results on Paspalum at Greens, Paspalum Greens. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the, the, the data is quite primitive on the on the European <laughs> the DP World Tour. Um, I'm just gonna, just going to carry on regardless. I think. Um, so, uh, you know, over time it will be. Larry finished top five at the PGA Championship at Kiowa last year. That, those those fourth, were past yeah. and green. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, Ki- Kiowa was past ball and. Mm. Um, so and uh, yeah, you know, in terms of style of course, it's a it's a good correlation there. Interesting, you should say, Larry, because. Um, I've backed six players this week in total. Three of them are triple digits, um, but I have led. The top of my list is Shane Lowry. Um, again, I don't think you can ignore the three at the top of the market. They, um, they demand some respect. But again, if you go back to the list of players that have failed to win at single digits or 10 to 1 or shorter, um, it's just a it's just a graveyard of favourites. And... Um, I think there's probably just enough to give those guys at the top a swerve this week. You look at Shay, look, look at Rory. He's got eight top three finishes in Abu Dhabi from his last nine starts, but no wins. And um, I, you know, you kind of quit last week or the, or the one, of, one of the previous. That um, no, was last week. Yeah, yeah thirteen the, to do, thirteen to two, and he won't win. Yeah, yeah he'll <laughs> finish second or finish third, which is what he's exactly tended to do, and he's priced at the same typical price, and he's out to fifteen to two this morning. So. You know, you could arguably put him up each way and it would be an each way shot to nothing should he finish in the top eight if you can get that kind of price for a top eight finish. But, um, uh, yeah, that, that that's not my style of betting, but, you know, I can see the logic in it if you do fancy it that way. Um, so, yeah, Rory's really quite likely to be in the mix and he's really quite likely to finish in those top one of those top positions. Um, but history would suggest that he just struggles to get over the line here. Uh, Colin Morikawa's got the world number one uh, scenario hanging over him again this week. And uh, there are various permutations, again, re- related to him and to John Rahm, who's playing over um, at the American Express, which you'll be covering. Um, but he's, he's had a couple of attempts now, Morikawa, and he's uh, he's not managed to get himself into that position. I wonder if it's just playing on his yeah. mind a little bit. I mean, we he had the big blow-up at the Hero. Um, at the hit and giggle, and then like you know, I was on him at elevens for the century, and he started okay, and then he just he just went really quiet on Friday. And while people are shooting sixty ones and sixties, and you're shooting sixty nine or seventy, you're going to plunge down the leaderboard. And then once all that kind of pressure alleviated himself on Sunday, and he had nothing, he he clearly just started playing the golf that he wanted. You know how good he is, and he shot the lowest round of the day. So I don't know if that's playing on his mind. It'd be hard not to, but we know with him he's a quick learner. But like you say, this tournament tends to be a total and utter graveyard for single digits. So I'd probably walk away. It's tough because either of them could win. Victor Hovland's third favourite, 10-1. to He could win this week. 
I, I think you're going to need some short game, and if there's one area that Hovland needs to mm-hmm. to scrub up, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. short game, and that that kind of puts me off having any kind of bet on Hovland. Um, so yeah, I've skipped those three. I've gone for Shane Lowry, um, twenty-five to one early doors yesterday. There's still a bit of twenty-twos out there, which I think is um, I think is still a good price for a player who's well capable of beating this kind of field. He hasn't had a win since that Open Championship win back in 2019, but he's starting to show some good positive signs. And this is the kind of terrain that's ideal for him, I think. Um, he won in Abu Dhabi on the Abu Dhabi Golf Club back in 2019, so he's got some good form in the region. But it's the fact that we move into a breezy, linksy style setup. It should suit him better. Um, he'll love the short game demands here. And uh, if you listen to anything that he, that he says about playing on links or lengthy style tracks, he's often classed as one of these bad weather um, kind of experts. Back to his uh, back to his win, um, what was it, two thousand and nine, when he won as uh, as an amateur in the Irish Open, um, and. You know, it was absolutely lashing down. It was horrific, wasn't it? The conditions that 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 week. Mm. Um, but you listen to him in an interview, and he says, "Well, you know, I much much prefer it to be um, to be warm and sunny than, uh, than than lashing down with rain." But he can play the wind. So if there's a bit of breeze this week, which it looks like there will be, I think that really plays into his hands. So, so yeah, quite happy to take the top guys on with Shane Lowry this week. Um, similar kind of logic for Robert McIntyre, who I picked up at forty to one yesterday as well. Um, he was fourth last time out at the DP World Tour Championship, uh, third last year at the Dubai Desert Classic, a couple of top eights at the Open Championship, sixth and eighth over the over the years. And I think he's got the raw credentials to go well here this week. Only one win to his name so far, but I think Bob's far better than that. He's got a top 50 in the world position that's up for grabs. He's 58th at the moment. Um, and uh, if he continues to play well and plays well at the start of this year he's going to push himself right into that um, into that position particularly when you've got another cut off for the uh, the masters coming up over the next few months there's a lot of players who want to get themselves in the top 50 for that that date in mid-march i think it is from memory um, in terms of scrambling he was second for scrambling last year on tour and that's ideal for this and he's been purring about his new driver that he's got in his bag he's been picked up by nike for for his clobber, so he's he's looking smart. He's um, he's he's playing well um, at the back end of last year, uh, putting well. He, he gained eight and a half strokes in the field putting at the Earth Course, and he's put this new big dog in the bag as well. So um, interesting to see how he goes at forty to one. A bit longer then the next one, Danny Willett. I've backed eighty to one. Willett, I've, I've backed him before for a similar reason. Really, he's got a habit of popping up in these big events at big prices. So. Last four wins, the Masters 2016 was 66 to 1. DP World Tour Championship in 2018, 80 to 1. BMW PGA Championship the year after, 66 to 1. And then at the back end of last year, the Dunhill Lynx, 100 to 1. So when he wins, Danny Willett, um, and it's often off a pretty nondescript bit of incoming form, it's usually at this kind of juicy 66 to 100 to 1 bracket. and. 80 to 1 this week was bang in the middle of that. I was really, really quite pleased to take that. Um, he's won the Dubai Desert Classic as well. Um, twice he's finished sixth at the Open Championship. And um, after that win at the Dunhill Links, I wouldn't say his form is disastrous. He had a couple of uh, half decent efforts on the uh, PGA Tour uh, mid division in the DP World Tour Championship, despite a Thursday, sorry, no, a Saturday rather, where he was uh, amongst the very best scorers in the field. So 
I don't think his form is quite as disastrous as it would appear at 81. And there's a very high ceiling with Danny Willett. Um, you know, we talked about ceilings before, and I think that 80 to 1 on a player of his potential and ability is, uh, is a chance worth taking. Um, three longer prices to finish then, and then I'll let you guys have a have a word in edgeways. Hao Tong Lee, I've backed 140 to 1. Absolute shocker to start last year. He missed 13 of 14 cuts in his other event. He, he was a withdrawal, so got absolutely nothing from 14 events. Um, then he finished 14th for the Daniel Links. Long game was an absolute re- revelation that week. He was second for strokes gain approach, second for strokes gain tee to green um, from absolutely nowhere. Then he finished second at the China Open just before Christmas um, and then 12th at the Sony Open in Hawaii last week over on the PGA Tour. And we've always said you need to beware of any strong PGA Tour form coming into these DP World Tour events Um, because it can translate and it can correlate really quite well. Um, Winner of the Dubai Desert Classic in the past, he was third at Birkdale in the 2017 Open Championship, I thought 140 to 1. Uh, was well worth taking. I did take that with five places each way because um, I got blinded by the price. So if you want extra places on that, you're going to have to need to go a little bit uh, narrower in terms of your um, price expectations. But uh, triple figures are still available out there with extended places, and I think that's um, I think that's a good bet. Um, talking of the Open Championship, I've also backed Podrake Harrington at 200 to 1. I don't think he's quite ready for the senior tour yet. Um, back end of last year, 12th in Portugal, 8th at the Fire course in Dubai. Um, and he's uh, on social media, he seems to be pleased with the shape of his game um, to start this year after downing tools. He talked about Keir Ryland, Steve, a second ago. He was fourth there. You remember he went out alongside Shane Lowry in the final did, round. Yeah. Um, and the pair of them finished fourth. He was fourth. That was his um, first major top five finish since 2012. And that was a long, linksy, um, paspile and greened uh, test. Uh, very much like what we should expect this week. Uh, twice an Open Championship. We don't need to talk about his Open or linksy credentials, really. Short game looked really on point at the back end of last year. And I think that could come in. That, you know, that, that bit of experience and that bit of... Uh, Short game and linksy prowess could really pay dividends, um, particularly on uh, the first couple of rounds uh, as players are desperately trying to get themselves through to the weekend. 200 to 1 on Podrake. And finally, I've gone back to the well. I couldn't resist it. I've backed Matthew Southgate at 350 to 1. Um, I think there's still some 300s why out there not? this morning. Why yeah. not? Yeah, well, at the price, why not? Absolutely. You know, I, I've virtually followed him over a cliff on these linksy style tests over the years, but I've got to stick to my guns. You know, if he, if he was to so much as place on a, a test that I know absolutely suits him down to the ground and I'm not on board, I'd, I'd be I'd be distraught. So, so I'm in. Um, second to Port Stewart back in 2018. Uh, second to the Dunhill Links. Should have won the Dunhill Links in 2019. 12th and 6th for the Open Championships in 2016 and 2017. This is the type of turf that he absolutely loves. Um, we've not seen him since October. Got no idea how he's playing. He's really quiet on social media. Doesn't put much out on Instagram at all. So uh, it's a guessing game as to how his game will be. But um, at that price, it's a punt I'm willing to take. So so I'm in on the Southgate. I'm in on Podrag at 200 to 1. Houtong Lee, 140s. Uh, Danny Willett, 80-1, to 1, Bob McIntyre, 40s, and top of the shot was Shane Lowry at 25-1 to 1 for me. Anyone catch your eye, Barry? Is there anybody left to pick? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six. I've, I've, I've taken I've taken six out of the field for you, Barry. So you've got a short of <laughs> I've got I've got a new title for Paul. He is the Brian Gay Whisperer. <laughs> he gets these feelings about Brian Gay when he dismally misses the cut. <laughs> yeah. I might start, uh, you, but he Paul has got form. The Matthew Southgate Whisperer. He has landed on Southgate on a few occasions at big big prizes. Yeah, I. I, I, lo- I love the big, big long shots um, until they lose and then your money's just dead. But Until, until, hey, they're, they're, until they're three over, three five on the Thursday. Value losers, boys. <laughs> Value losers, yeah, yeah. But he was such a good price. Um, the, listen, geez, if Southgate kicks off and ha- even threatens getting into like the, the, the places, that'll be a, a good sweat oh, yeah. and fun that for price, the week. So. Why, why wouldn't yeah. you put a little bit on him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I'm I'm gonna dodge the top few. Um, Hatton is kind of interesting. He's played well on Kings Barnes, um, but just not sure it being his was his first start in a few weeks. So I, I've decided to drop just a little bit further down and uh, look at Minwoo Lee, who played last week, and um, just really started to show how great a golfer he is like last year um so i think uh this this could be the week for min Wu. so he's around there but the 33s uh a change of course will suit as well because he missed his cut the last two times in this event but uh new course so off we go to the races and then another one who caught my eye for i mean i should have done a little bit further beyond king's barns but you know expansive kind of a modern links look um feels like it's kind of analogous to this so um and he finished the year with a good stretch of golf so that kind of goes against my hat and thing but the price is better here so dean burmester at 50 to 1 mm-hmm. i thought you, you were gonna say yeah. winners yeah. you can get a lot of winners here coming straight off a top 10 don't you yeah, so yeah, yeah. That fits that and so does minwoo lee yeah yeah, Lee played. Uh, he didn't get anywhere near the winner last week down in the uh, on the Australasian tour, I think it was. But uh, yeah, and and the a windy linksy kind of setup is absolutely up his uh, up his alley. Mm. And these low stingers that Min Mu Lu plays are, are perfect for that kind of thing. I, he was very very close to my to my um, final team, but I'd already gone six deep and um, adding sevens and eights probably wasn't uh, wasn't the game. Yeah, no, so you can I, back him in running. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You can see how these players start and, uh, and get a view of where they are after a round or two. And if um, you, Steve, and then, I'll go. Sorry, sorry, you're still going, bro. Well, well, we'll we'll wrap up. There's one I just I can never seem to resist on um, links courses is Joachim Lagergren, who, yeah, just forever disappoints. But you never know. It's uh, we'll see what happens. It's. You said a long about shot. positive pass ball and players on the on the almost DP World Tour. This guy came second of the DP World Tour Championship last time out. Now that was a huge step forward, wasn't it? Second in an elite field like that, Alexander Bjork, ninety to one. Could be. A, I, I'm going to have a little dabble on him at nineties, you know. He's not the most prolific of winners, I'll give you that. But his two wins have come off a fourth the the outing before and a third the outing before. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it would have been uh, Bermuda over at the uh, Earth Course, but yeah, even so, it's um, that's a huge um, 
But you said he was passable and positive. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. got lots of trophy, Hassan, oh, Dur. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. I just think he's, he's the kind that would... He's the kind that would come and win this and get his, you know, big, big uh, Rolex series event victory. Big step forward. And you go, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't... He was second last time out. One of those sort of cement blocks in the forehead kind of backs. I must say, Barry also, I, I do fancy a bit of Min Woolen. He fits, doesn't he? Just to just to back up your Bjork point, um, I've got a rolling stat here: the last six months' performances in terms of scrambling, and, and Alexander Bjork ranks third in my list here of uh, scramblers mm. in the, in the last six months. So, um, yes, I can see it. I can see how he fits, and as you say, that's um, it was a, a top performance at the back end of last year as well. I think McIntyre needs to go well, doesn't he? Because mm. I don't think, am I am I talking out of school here, that he was outside of the world's top 50 when the Masters invite cut came in? Yeah, he's 58th at the moment, So, um, and that was driven mainly from the uh, the fourth place finish at the back end of the DP World Tour Championship. So, mm. you know, you've also got, you've got the Masters, you've also got the uh, world match play as well, which is the top 64, might, might extend out to 67, 68, I guess, but... Um, you know, there's there's cutoff points for these events that these players need to get into the uh, into the right positions for. And uh, Bob McIntyre is well capable and should be rubbing shoulders with players at the top end. So um, he, sh- he should have that firmly in his sights. I think he right, he we- has some he has some good results slipping off his um, rankings his rolling rankings in the coming weeks. Seventeenth, mm-hmm. seventh, eighth, fourteenth, eighth. Yeah. Yep. Then he hit a bit of a, a slippery patch, but. You know those. Uh, you need to counteract those disappearing off your um, off your sheet. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think he's due. Got to keep your foot to the floor. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, chaps. I'm going to have a bet on McIntyre. I'm going to have a bet on Minwoo Lee and Alexander Bjork. Those are my three. Very good. Let's talk because we're 44 minutes in. Let's talk the American Express. This is this is not the American Express. It's the Bob Hope Lottery. Right. Let's get that straight. Every year, Bob Hope Lottery. If anyone, anyone has confidence about who's going to win this event, they're lying. It's as simple as that. 138 to 1 is the overall average of the winning price of this, going back to 2010. If you look at the past eight renewals, 143 to 1. And yes, John Rahm is more than likely to win. At a fifteen to two price point this week, or was it thirteen to two? I um I can't remember now. But um him or Patrick Cantley, yes, they're the obvious picks, aren't they? Um, nine to one and thirteen to two. Both could easily win. John Rahm did win this as a ten to one chance in twenty eighteen. But you're going you know, you're going against the numbers, aren't you? Because some of the winners here are just unbelievable. Six hundred to one on Adam Long. Um, Siwoo Kim was a short sixty-sixes last year. Um, Andrew Landrit two hundred to one. Sixty-sixes on Swafford. Forty to one on Duffner. Thirty to one on Bill Haas. Patrick Reed won when this was on a different course. Rotor one hundred and thirty-five to one. Brian Gay, your old the whisper of Paul, eighty to one when he could actually hit a green back in 2013. So there we are. 
I'm not chasing the shorties this week, so I expect Ram or Cantley will win. If I was going to pick one, I'd pick Cantley because his record on desert tracks, you know, from the strokes gained analysis that we've got, Paul, he's number one. Uh, on short tracks, on die tracks, he's just all over it like a rash yeah, Patrick yeah, Cantley. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, when you've got to shoot 25, 26 under, you can't have a bad round, can you? And that's what Cantley did last week, last year. And I think he was like something like eight or eight, six, seven, eight behind. And then he shot like the round of that he could have, you know, like 12 under and almost nicked it from Siwoo Kim. Um, but it's, it's, you know, three courses. I, I don't really want to get into the detail because we, we we clearly need to get the, through the tips. Um, three courses, PGA Stadium course, which is a Pete Dye design. They're playing 36 holes there this year. Um, they're going back to the original Pro-Am format, so it's going to take 38 hours a round. Um, <laughs> um, it's going to be really easy in terms of the course setup. They're also playing the tournament course, which is Jack Nicholas design, and then they drive... Uh, five miles down the road to La Quinta Club. Um, and these courses, you know, um, they tend to rank the easiest on the PGA Tour unless there's wind and there isn't a lot of wind in the forecast, if any at all. I think it's going to be... A bit... The one thing I will say, um, it's going to be lights out Thursday, Friday. Saturday, Sunday might be a little bit slow because it's colder. So there's a, there's a front that's run through. Um, it's 16 degrees and there's like five to 10 miles an hour breeze. It's one of those tournaments where basically, if your players don't get a good start, you might as well bin your bin your slip right at the start because um, cut line here is nine under traditionally nine under. Bearing in mind the cut is after fifty four holes, but twenty three under one last year. See, we came that was with a day's golf. Basically, they played three rounds on the stadium course, which is rel- it's all relative, isn't it? But that's the toughest of the three. Um, and there was one day when it blew about, it was gusting 2022, which brought the scoring down quite a bit. But Andrew Landry won on this road to a 26s, as did Adam Long. So it's going to be, you know, but even Jason Duffner won a 25 under. I mean, that kind of shows you where we're at with this. The point I was making also about the fast start comes through in this. Um, Siwoo Kim was third after round one. Andrew Landley sixth. Adam Long second. John Rahm first. Hudson Swafford second. Jason Duffin the first. So if your players aren't in the top six players, you know, after round one, <laughs> it doesn't look good in terms of them winning. I hate those tournaments because I'd normally get a load kind of between 12th and 20th and you just think, well, something's got to change here because they're not going to win. I did have Scotty Scheffler here two years ago and he was actually first round leader. So I did get excited that year. And then he gagged it on the Sunday, which is a bit of a Scotty Scheffler thing recently, isn't it? But um, if you want to back Scotty Scheffler, he's, t- he's a 20 to 1 chance with Bet365 right now to win his maiden PGA Tour victory. Uh, we've got Ram, Cantlay, Scheffler and him at 20s. Corey Connors at 22s. Tony Finau at 22s. Abraham Anser at 30s. And then we're out to Taylor Gooch, Matthew Wolfe, 
Seamus Power at 33 to 1. Patrick Reed, 35s, with last week's story, Russell Henley. And then we're out to 50 to 1. He's on my post it note never to back, Cameron Tringali. Who do you fancy, guys? This, this is the Bob Hope lottery. So I'm thinking we're going to go around each one of us individually with a tip. So we'll, let's start with Barry. Sorry, Barry. I know you're doing your homework, but I'm going to drop you under the bus. Give me a name that's going to win this week's Bob Hope Lottery. Uh, we need uh, somebody miles out of the odds. Okay, we'll go. Let's go with Tyler McCumber, fourth mm-hmm. on his last start. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made two cuts here. Best performance of 40th last year. And he is sitting, I seeing his name popping up in your uh, rolling strokes gained rankings. He's 11th in strokes gained total. Yeah, played well at the RSM at the end of last... I think he fired in something crazy low, the last final round. Yeah. Speak, you know what, Barry? Speak, yeah. At the end of the day, you can't say that anybody can't win this. <laughs> so it's like, like, yeah, it's good. Well, to, to that point, I just want to ask a question. Could you mm-hmm. explain to me how Ricky Fowler is showing as top 20... Like, top of your strokes gains total for the last eight tournaments? Well, what? the trouble is... I'm I'm at a stage with the strokes gain numbers where I don't have a minimum appearance cutoff. So if you've had one appearance, you appear in the stats. And don't forget, he finished was it third at the CJ Cup, mm-hmm. and his appearance since then was at Mayakoba, where they didn't take any strokes gain data. So yeah, if you've been watching the golf my golf show, I've been saying for the last few weeks the strokes gain date is a little bit patchy at the moment, but clearly it will fill out as we're now going through a whole chunk of consecutive weeks with strokes gain data. Yeah. But that does tell you a story with Ricky. It actually tells you that at the end of the last year last year in the desert, he played some really good golf, but that is on a golf course that he's actually apparently a member of and plays quite a lot of golf at. So take that in. Are you tempted yeah. on Ricky this week? Well, I backed him a couple of times, um, or a few times last year when you were, you were seeing green shoots of things mm-hmm. coming back to the game. There was still destructive stuff there, but I mean, Shane Larry had destructive stuff in his game before he won the Open Championship. So, um, I, I pro- I'll probably fall into the trap and back him. But yeah, I didn't think it was it, a bad price for Ricky. Fifty-five. He's got. 10th and 21st here, his last two outings. I think the 10th, he was 18 and 36 hold leader. And then went backwards at the weekend. So he, he, he has got previous on this course. He does like desert golf, clearly. You know, he's a winner of Phoenix, isn't he? So, you know, desert golf, and this is it. You're just looking at desert golf courses, just for the listeners, clearly Phoenix. Um, you can look at TPC Summerlin. They play the um, Shriners there every year. There's this one. Um, you can look at also the, the Reno Tahoe, as I know it. They call it what they call that now, um, the Barracuda. There's quite a lot of this kind of desert golf that you can tap into. You know, that that would clearly pull out Adam Hadwin, who is a bit of a desert desert rat, as I would call him. So you've gone for Tyler McCumber. Just to back your number on that, McCumber shot a 60, yes, a 60, 10 under, last round, RSM Classic, on his last appearance of 2020. So clearly can shoot low numbers, Tyler McCumber. 
Right, that's Barry. Paul, what's your, give me give me a name. Well, I can't. If you want a long one, I can't quite go as uh, as deep as McCumber. I'm seeing as as long as three hundred to one um, in places. Two two fifties, I guess, is what you take and Barry or, or thereabouts with um, uh, with some extra places. Um, mm. I the one I've got in that similar kind of bracket is Davis Riley, who I backed at two hundred mm. to one, and. Um, if you look at last week's stats, only Hideki made more birdies than Davis Riley in the field last week. And if you go back to when, um, what was his name? My brain's gonna gonna let me down now. Um, one of the previous winners, Duffner. That's the one I got there in the end. We didn't have to quite pause the podcast so I could remember. Jason Duffner, when he won um, this going back a few years ago, the previous week he'd made more birdies at the Sony than anyone else in the field. Mm-hmm. And then he went on and won this um, uh, well, Humana or Career Builder or whatever it was called at the time. Um, Davis Riley, lots of birdies last week. He was seventh at Bermuda Championship um, before Christmas. He's got a couple of wins at the Corn Ferry Tour, one of them which was at TPC San Antonio. So am I right in saying TPC San Antonio? That's Texas, isn't it? So that that be desert, is that right? Well, it's not desert, but there is there is a crossover here. I mean, you see where Kim's finished fourth at San, San Antonio and Andrew Landry's won there. And you do see Lucas Glover. There's a lot of these players that pop up at both. I think what you get with CPC San Antonio is it's kind of a dry golf course. It's pretty arid. Yeah. So that I can see some desert connotations to it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Even though it's in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he won there uh, Yeah, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Second, if you go back to uh, to his performance at the back end of last year, as I said, seventh at the Bermuda Championship. Second for driving accuracy, eighth for greens and regulations, second for putting average. Um, so if he can scramble a little better, then um, then he's gonna he's gonna be right in the mix, I think. So what price did you get? I had a very good look at Rand Riley. So, uh, Two hundred to one, Davis Riley. Yeah. yeah, he did jump off the sheet. It has to be said because of that fantastic uh, pu- uh, birdie performance at the Sony. Seventh of Bermuda. He was ninth for strokes game putting and forty four tee to green last week. He's 10th so far on tour for total birdies, which tells you a story. He's a birdie machine. Yeah, absolutely. So just to qualify, those um, stats I just read through, I was just, just checking after I'd said them. He was yeah, the, the second for driving actually, eighth for greens regulation, second for putting average was last week at the Sony Open rather than the, yeah. uh, the Houston Open wow. but, or the Bermuda. But uh, but yes, some, some good traditional stats, lots of birdies being made. And uh, yeah, the 200 to 1 price point, quite happy to take that. But yeah, I've got, I've got another one, but I'll let you do some longer shots first. Well, it's my turn, so get out of the way. Now, I, I haven't, um, I haven't uh, tipped this guy up, but you saw that I'd actually started writing a tip on this guy, and I got bored, I didn't, didn't, didn't. Andrew Novak, 300 to 1 with Bet365, if you're brave enough to take the industry standard five places each way, I caught the odds. He's 250 to 1, eight places with Paddy Power. Or you can take the tens, two hundred with ball sports is not exactly a bad price. But Andrew Novak just keeps throwing in some really low rounds at the moment. I mean he missed the cut of the Sony, but he shot a sixty-five in round two. Yeah, I think he missed the cut on the number in the end. And you just go back to the RSM. Um no, that's where he missed the cut. There was another one that he did well in, uh Mayakoba or something like that. He's just there's a litany of low rounds from Andrew Novak at the moment. 
when you look at his limited starts on the PGA Tour, he just yeah, you know, just get the feel with him. He could be this kind of silly price that comes in like an Adam Long, and everyone goes, "Who the hell was Andrew Novak?" I've got no more to back that up with, but that's I, I didn't tip him up, but three hundred to one did jump off the page for me. I'm going to go top end. I'm going for two. If you actually look at this and you take no, uh, you take Adam Long away, and you also take Andrew Landry away. Um, I believe Jason Duffner was forty to one when he won this. Swafford was sixty sixes. Siwoo Kim was sixty sixes, and there was another one in there at a relatively reasonable price point. Uh, who would that have been? That would have been, of course, uh, John Rahm at 10s. Well, we're not going there. So 66, 66, and a 40 to 1. So I, I wasn't overly put off. Seamus Power at 33s, and I wasn't overly put off Matthew Wolf at the same kind of price point because I've got Wolf at 30s with Betfred seven places, and I've got Seamus Power. Uh, seven places each way at 33s with Betfred as well. Because Power is just playing amazing golf. He was 11th here when he was ranked something crazy like 340th in the world. 348 back in 2018. Um, and we, we noticed with Seamus, when you stuck with him at a ridiculously short price, Barry, that he does tend to win after he starts stringing these top threes, top seven, top eight results together. I would hate to miss Seamus Power this week, who is absolutely concrete block obvious. And Matthew Wolf, he's finished second twice now at TPC Summerlin. So, you know, if you want a if you want a desert golf correlation, um, he's also just hitting tons and tons of birdies. Birdie, his birdie or better numbers the last few outings last year were amazing. So I've got Wolf at the top at 30s and Power at 33s. Seamus Power, by the way, for listeners, is now a lass. Vegas resident and is using TPC Summerlin as his practice base. So it's not as if he's not accustomed now to West Coast time and also desert golf. So there's the two that I've got at um, relatively low prices. Right, any, um, who, we want to you, Barry. Who are you, who are you got up next? I've not fully decided yet. I, Gone with McCumber. I'm gonna back Ricky. Beyond that, I'm. Uh, I don't know yet. Pass. Paul. Yeah, the, the the only other one I've backed this week is Adam Hadwin, who you mentioned a second ago, and um, I know you highlighted his um, performances in this event on a tweet over the weekend, and it it really does mm. stick out, doesn't it? Sixth, Crazy. second, third, second, thirty second from his last five starts here. Um, rock solid desert form as well. Um, he won the 2017 Valspar on a combination of Bermuda and Power in terms of the putting surface, which is um, as as we're seeing this week, 80 to one. I thought was fair. Now that's pretty based on the um, what looks like a relatively poor set of incoming form or, or middling set of incoming form, I guess. But if you dig a little bit deeper, um, he led the 3M Open to halfway back end of last year. Second to day one at the Wyndham. Um, second after day one at the Wyndham. Second after day one at the Fortinet as well. Seventh after day one at the Sanderson Farms. He finished sixth at the Shriners and he was 15th at halfway at the RSM uh, Classic as well. I mean, they're, they're, 
they don't really represent full four events um, finishes, which is uh, what you kind of eyeball if you're looking at his raw finishing stats. But there's certainly enough within those performances to suggest his game's not far away. And he's coming to We've the discussed course. Adam Hadwin. He can't play in the wind. So those results that he got at the RSM and Mayakoba, it was quite windswept. And actually, I think the one round at the RSM when there was no wind, he shot a 65. Uh, one of the lowest uh, scores of the, of the actual uh, day. You listen to this. This is Shriners and PGA West. So this is TPC Summerlin and PGA West results going back. Sixth at the Shriners, you mentioned that. 32nd, 34th, 4th, 2nd, 3rd, 2nd, 27th, 6th. It's not bad, is it? No. No, he You're does like eighty to one. Yeah, he does like this style of golf, doesn't he? So uh, yeah, I was quite happy to take eighties on that and uh, and see how he goes. I call it like Metro Dome golf. If there's no wind and it's low scoring, just Adam Hadwin. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a cracking bet. I've got three. I think the other thing that also goes against that price is he hasn't had a warm up event, and you do see players. I think only Bill Hass has won this as his first season out in going back yeah, to twenty ten. Yeah, yeah. But you do see players, uh, a Ryan Moore um, and Adam Hadwin would be the kind that would come in here and just get a nice each way return. I think that kind of people do each way on their first season start. Um, it is hard to win, but it has been done by Bill Hass. I've got three more. Um, I won't go into any detail. I've gone Hayden Buckley, 125 to 1 with Paddy Power 8 place each way. Buckley's another one. Um, he was second strokes going off the tee, 17th tee to green at Wireline, and he was making plenty of birdies. I also like the fact that he can drive it 300 yards and he's top 30 for driving accuracy so far this year. He finished second at the 2021 Utah Championship in the desert on the Corn Ferry last year. Um, I'll put Tom Hoagie in, why not? Tom Hoagie to me is one of these under. He's not like, um, he's not like Kevin Nahr, obvious, or Adam Hadwin, obvious. But he's a proper, or Ryan Palmer, obvious. I tell you what, I was glad this week that Ryan Palmer was in the field because I'd have been struggling with Ryan Palmer. To I'd have been very tempted on him this week. But talk on Tom Hoagie. He's had a 10th, a 4th and 6th at the Barracuda when they played it at Montreux, which is a Nicholas design. Uh, he's also had a 7th and a 14th at the Shriners. And he's got a top 10 here. I was actually on him that year. He was sixth here a couple of years ago. So great approach player. Um, it's, it's like everything. If Tom Hoagie actually has a week where he can putts half decently, he could be a factor. And the last one, 150 to 1. This player just keeps popping up for me. Everything I look at, um, Kramer Hickok, 150 to 1 with Paddy Power, eight place each way. He's best known as being um, Jordan Speed's housemate before Jordan got involved with ladies um, and clearly went on to um, have a nice marriage and children like he's now got. Um, I'm trying to qual- quantify what I said. Anyway, he was his housemate. Where, where are you going with this, No, Steve? I'm not going anywhere. Um, Kramer Hickok was his housemate. They went to University of Texas together. Um, and, you know... I don't. Uh, this kind of thing happens in the states, doesn't it? It's like, well, I've got this thirty-eight bedroom house. Come and have one of the bedrooms, and we can live a kind of student lifestyle together whilst we're earning millions on the PGA Tour. I think that's what happened with Hickok. But anyway, he's now actually forging himself a bit of a career on the PGA Tour. Second at the Pete Dye Design TPC River Highlands last year at the Travellers. That was when he had that 
crazy playoff with Harris English that seemed to go on forever. But he's playing some nice golf. Fourth at the Houston Open in November, where he was mixing it with Jason Kokrak, Scotty Scheffler, Russell Henley and Matthew Wolf. Um, and then last week, pretty understated, but 20th, but he was in the top 20 for birdie or better. He had a 65 and a 66. He's up 170 spots in the world rankings to 130th, and he was 21st here last year. So Kramer Hickok is my last one at 150s. So Hickok, Hoagie, Buckley, Seamus Power, and Matthew Wolf. Paul has gone for Adam Hadwin and... Uh, Davis Riley. Davis Riley. And Barry went for Tyler McCumber and Ricky Fowler. And I will be on Seamus as well. You are going for Seamus, are you? Yeah, I'm not letting Seamus go. What you're going to get now is a lot of people going, oh, but have you looked at the betting boards, Barry? Seamus Powers, he's a shorter price now than Patrick Reed. How can you back that? There's no value in that price. Because he's several times the player Reed is right now. Mm. He's one of the best players in the world at the moment, Seamus Power. He might not oh, be yeah. winning every week, but winning's hard. So one last question for you, Barry, before golf. before we disappear, because we were just about to hit one ten. Um, mm-hmm. This this Irish number one, this situation with Shane Lowry one place above Seamus Power. Do you think that is a conversation between their camps? Does it mean anything? Is it meaningless? Absolutely not. They couldn't care less about the other guy. Right. What? What? Why? What, like what? What does that matter? Rory's Rory's from the same island, so this Republic of Irish number one thing is the biggest media. It's just filling column inches. Okay. I if I if I was one of them, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest to what the other guy's doing. I'm worried about my own game. You know what I'm doing. Mm. Like yeah, I, that's why just, I wanted your take on it. I think the one thing yeah. that will drive Seamus though is he's playing the best golf of his life, and but he can get say if he got a win this week or even a second. He's going to get a massive jump up those world rankings, and that's almost rubber stamping his invite for the Masters. Now, that's the kind of thing that will motivate Bow. Well, absolutely. He's, he's really you can you can feel the 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 motivation for that, and it's um it's great to watch. I mean, I think he'd have to really go off the boil to not keep going up the rankings. He has a lot of old KFT events and a few uh, PGA Tour events with not a great set of results dropping off his rankings, which will be replaced by upcoming events. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see him you know, start um, making stretches up towards the, the 30s now in the rankings, maybe maybe further. Who's, who knows? If he knocks off a win, he'll really jump up. So um, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome to watch and uh, long may it continue. And hopefully Shane has a great week as well. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. That's it then, chaps. We're done. Thank you for your time this morning on this cold. <laughs> it looks like uh, it looks like the Alps out of my window <laughs> here. It's just so white. But um, thank you for your time, gents. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, chaps. Cheers, boys. Good luck, everybody. Yeah, good luck to the listeners. And that's adios from us. We'll see you again next week for the Farmers Insurance Open and the Dubai Desert Classic. Enjoy your golf. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system 
the golf bed.